Hey, what's up, you guys? Matt Tebow here with um, the Contractor Marketing Show, and we have a very special guest on today's episode. Today, I'm joined with Les O'Hara, and uh, he's the founder of Contractor Huddle, which is like a coaching program for contractors, helping them accelerate their growth, and he'll get into all that in just a sec. He's also the founder of Build 12, and uh, guys, I'm really excited for this episode. Uh, thanks for having uh, being on the show today here, Les. It's an honor, Matt. I really enjoy our conversations that aren't recorded. So hopefully some of that could uh, be highlighted here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like off, uh, you know, off recording, we've had some good conversations, like you were saying, and you were telling me a little bit about your approach to things. And so today, guys, what I want to do is just really jump into some of the things that Les covers in terms of helping contractors grow. And really what he covers is these four pillars that um, he goes into when he's working with clients to really help them accelerate their contracting business. So what I thought would be really valuable for you is just to jump right on here with him and just go through these four things. And uh, we can just kind of uh, attack each one and, uh, and I'll ask him some questions along the way. So with that being said, um, let's jump into them. So you mentioned the four pillars there. Uh, what's pillar number one? Well, pillar number one has to be the knowledge of your numbers and everything starts from there. So most of the time we are working with a contractor to get the numbers dialed in so that when we review them on a weekly, monthly basis, they're actually contributing to the decision-making process. So we're identifying not only uh, what's the total amount of revenue that's coming in, but also what their gross profit is, what is the percentage that we're spending in that uh, cost of goods sold on the actual labor versus materials. And then we're really dialing in the overhead. What's that percentage? What is the owner taking home? And what is he spending on marketing, which is yeah. where, where you really come into play to help them say, okay, you have this marketing budget. How do we uh, yeah. apply for maximum ROI? Yeah, so going into the numbers, like right off the bat there, I would say that most contractors, that's not something that they do, right? Like when you're working with most contractors and you go through that process, like what percentage would you say are usually like, oh yeah, Les, like here's all my numbers, I have everything. Like, is that a thing you see a lot or what are most contractors typically doing? Well, what I'm seeing is if they're doing a million dollars or less, their accounting is really, really poor. And the tracking and using of the numbers is not being uh, done well or established any kind of. When you get to the one to three, it's getting a little bit hairy. It's getting out of control. And so for them, it is usually more of dialing in the presentation and the organization of your chart of accounts. How yeah. are you splitting up the revenue? How are you splitting up your labor and your cost of goods sold and subcontractors and, and et cetera? And then in that realm, they're really poor on cash flow forecasting. They're really not knowing how they're going to make payroll this week. And then all of a sudden, a lot of money's in, but we paid a lot to the suppliers. Yeah. Um, that's really not dialed in. And then the three million and up is really the budgeting, using budgeting to, uh, really lock in your expenses mm -hmm. and then the cash flow forecasting. So it's different per yeah, really like team, different level. But I've seen it 
almost all of it is just not using the chart of accounts to its full potential of giving you organized numbers to be making decisions off of. Would you say that there's like a way to self audit almost like I'm just thinking, let's say that I'm a contractor doing under a million and maybe I've got like a bookkeeper or accountant or something. And like, I feel like maybe I've got a handle on my numbers, but do you have, are there like some warning signs or like some red flags that maybe someone would be able to self identify with and be like, oh, I actually thought I knew my numbers, but I don't type thing. Well, I guess a rough number would be. Uh, that they would need to know is when they subtract all of the job-related expenses out of that revenue, what is that percentage that they're making? That's yeah. the profit percentage. That's that's the one thing that they need to know because as they're pricing the jobs as the estimator salesman, yeah, they need to make sure that they are covering it with enough margin that now is also going to pay for their pay and the overhead, whatever that overhead is. Yeah. So we teaching to reverse engineer the number out yeah excuse me so if you're a contractor you want to make 120,000 a year and you know you have rent some some truck payments some overhead marketing let's just add that all up to another 120,000 is your overhead so you know and that now you you know you got your pay you got your overhead and now you want maybe some profit so let's say we're just going to throw 60,000 on that we know $300,000 is where we're, what we need, right? So now we can reverse engineer that out in the budgeting process to say, all right, what's your average um, gross profit? And let's say uh, he says 30%. Yeah. Take that 300,000 divided by 0.3. So they need to do a million dollars and they're going to break even. Yeah. So we kind of really dial in the numbers. Then we say that million dollar number is, okay, what's your average job size? And if he says it's uh, 10,000, yeah. you know, how many jobs is that? Got 1 million divided by 10,000. They need a hundred jobs. So now we know what's their closing percentage. We reverse that out. And wow. now we go, okay, Matt, here's how many leads. Uh, XYZ contractor needs from you in order to hit this million dollar mark. So yeah. that's that's the kind of the dynamics that every contractor should be doing almost uh, on a quarterly basis is do all these numbers add up? Are they making that uh, goals for the for the bottom line numbers? Super cool. Yeah. And like really valuable because I think then obviously then you can start making goals and stuff, right? Like then you can start right? Like you have, you have a bit of like an insight into your business there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Specifically for the estimating, would you say that that's something that comes up against contractors a lot where maybe even right from the start, they're like making that mistake where they, they ask, they send out a quote way too low and like, they don't even know what they need to charge to be able to hit some of those goals. Probably a lot of the time. So true, Matt. It's, that's the break even number. They yeah. that's, that's the number that they need to know is what do I price this up that is just at break even? Mm -hmm. And so they're not losing any money. A lot of contractors, they're not dialing in on those numbers. So really they get to the end of the year. I, I was just talking to one today and they didn't make any money. Mm. They're not making any money. Mm. And it's So then it comes down to what are you charging and how many of those type of opportunities are you getting? Is it a 
closing? Is it something in the sales process? Is it in what we're going to talk about next? Their branding and marketing messaging? Yeah. Resonating? You know, then you can actually find their weakness and then you can go do a little bit more detective work and say, okay, here, here's why we're having this. Yeah. But without knowing those kind of numbers, they're just um, throwing darts at the wind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of contractors, they start to um, bid lower like that for jobs because they're struggling to land the job. So they're thinking, well, hey, if I just charge less, then maybe I'll be able to get this job because they get in a position where maybe they're like feeling kind of desperate, whatever. And what we tell them is we say, well, hey, that's like a marketing function, because if you're positioning yourself differently, then you'll be able to charge more and be able to do what you're saying. So maybe that's a good segue into the second pillar that you alluded to, which is like the marketing, the branding. Tell us a little bit about like, where does someone start with there in your process? So one of the most important pieces of my success with me uh, buying and selling and scaling a lot of these type of contracting businesses, if I look back on, on it, what was some of the common uh, elements? It was always great branding and marketing. So when I came over and uh, my, my dad was a former police lieutenant in Chicago, he always had a roofing business. So I came uh, with a little bit of, uh, when I came from college to help run the business, I came with a little bit of business uh, background and I, I got into the real world of computer usage and databases and CRMs. Nice. And when I just did a couple uh, nuances to the messaging and the branding and the look and feel, we took off. We went from 600,000 to 6 million in five years. <clears throat> wow. And a lot of it was looking like a million bucks before we were a million bucks. So we upgraded on logos and the messaging. What's the brand promise? Imagery. That's, you know, this better than anyone, how important the imagery is for landing right. pages and websites. Yeah. So people aren't realizing that that is is pre-selling you before you even walk into the door there uh, back in the days we were doing yellow page advertising and my small little ad compared to the guys that were doing the full page ads i would be pulling in equally as much because they no one was using pictures back then i was like the first oh, wow. pictures um then it was uh great logos and branding and and, and the messaging mm. that's usually a weakness for the three million and under kind of categories is that yeah. they maybe stop started with a stock uh, photo of, of for their logo, and it's never really had this unique uh, branding and proposition. I call it a unique selling proposition. You've heard it, the friendly skies, just do it. Um, you know, all of these yeah. every corporation. If you watch any commercial, it's always going to have some kind of tagline in there that educates the consumer of yeah. what you're going to do or how are you going to make them feel so when you can get that dialed in now you can go to that next step which is hiring a savant marketing to do it because they're not just going to land on some shoddy website yeah. and um you know your marketing materials when you get there are just going to look you know average yeah that's no, a really good um a lot of what we see when we're working with contractors at least initially 
is going to be that they either don't have any pictures of their work or they're using like stock images or the pictures of their work are just like there's not a lot of effort put there so we'll like while we're setting things up sometimes we'll have to actually train them we have like trainings and we'll be like here's how to take good pictures of your work because like you were just talking about this kind of stuff has a much deeper impact on like who you attract in your marketing because if you're putting out like shoddy work or sometimes we get contractors who say, Hey, I want this type of work, but all of their marketing is showing something different. There's like a disjoint between that. And yeah. so it's like, well, Hey man, like the name of your company is this, but you're trying to attract this. Like maybe we should look at kind of the greater perspective here. And sometimes that can be a tough conversation. Cause it's like, we have to like rejig everything, but what you're saying, it's like, you know, logos and all this kind of stuff. If you, you know, and I say this as well is like, don't show up to an estimate, like looking like just another Joe Blow, like you've got, you know, you're not wearing like a nice shirt or like a branded hat. Like some guys will show up and they look like they're just getting started, you know? So it's exactly like what you're talking about. Yeah. I, um, I own a masonry company and uh, we're we're growing so fast that we can't have in in-house salespeople and really it's going away from this right now of having in-house salespeople you know the consumer is trying to get away without it hmm. but you need to make sure that your presentation to the customer even if it's being sent via email or a, a printed out proposal has to look like a million bucks has to come with so many testimonials has to come with um, uh, social proof all of these things that uh, communicate, this is a investment that will be protected by this person. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to piggyback on there, but mm -hmm. contractors don't realize that when they want to get the sophisticated, let's say kitchen buyer or the new bathroom remodel or an mm -hmm. addition or a brand new roof, if they go to your website, they see some of your marketing material and it has a stock photo on it, you're, you're ruled out right there. There, there's sophisticated buyers as you go up the food chain. Mm. So the faster you could look like a million bucks and act like a million bucks is when you could start closing those kind of deals. And until then, you're stuck selling to the cheap people that might not, they might be ignorant to website design. They're just looking for the cheapest price. Yeah. And then you're going to be in this terrible um, circle of always having non-buyers of the premium product. Yeah. I know that for a lot of contractors, like a big pain point is when someone in like a Facebook group will say like, hey, who can help me out with this kitchen renovation? And then like a bunch of contractors comment and say, oh, I can do it for you. I can do it for you. I can do it for you. I know from speaking to like a lot of contractors, they say like, well, I don't even bother in that instance because I know now that like it's just going to come down to price and blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of contractors are really fearful of getting like commoditized in that situation because they look at it as like, well, price is really the only differentiator in that situation. But what, what, what we talk to them about and what I've heard you talk about is like, hey, like, you know, the only reason a customer is going to say, well, what's the cheapest price is because they don't see a difference from contractor A and contractor B. But if you can make a perceived difference where, like we were talking about, they go to your site or they look at your portfolio or they even meet you and they're like, wow, everything's really put together well. It's at this upper echelon kind of feel. 
then you're going to attract those people like you were talking about where maybe price isn't necessarily their number one thing. I would say that for very few amounts of people, like price is their number one actual priority. It's just that they're defaulting to that because they don't see any tangible difference in any other way, like who your competitors are, right? So true. Yeah. That uh, kind of segues into the third Mm -hmm. pillar because uh, some of the key components is how are you educating your consumer prior, well, prior to them meeting you in person or and, and or the company and then how are you communicating with them afterwards so what mm-hmm. i was finding was that some of my uh, success in building these companies was the speed of of activity so we always pride ourselves on always answering the phone getting that appointment scheduled getting out there right away turning around a bid within 48 hours mm. up staying on that follow-up until they, you know, scream bloody mur- murder. So uh, you you know the, the term in our business, it's speed to lead, right? So you're getting leads for your customers. How fast are we getting a, ho- a hold of them and getting that thing locked down? So that's where we were, were frustrated with all of the different uh, kind of CRMs and software out there that we kind of over the years found one that we could customize for the contractor space and that's what now I use for all of my uh, businesses, all of my contractors is the Build 12 app where we could um, educate the customer prior to the estimate. And then every step along the way that they're in the pipeline, we're differentiating ourselves. You know, it could be an owner video that goes out. Thanks mm-hmm. for me, with Steve, your estimator. Just wanted to let you know a little bit about our company and our core values. And then the follow-up uh, emails, text messages are going to go out. Who's doing that nowadays, you yeah. know, and the individual salespeople can't yeah, because they're, they're so busy or you as the owner, yeah. you have so many uh, bids and so many estimates to do. So you need to automate um, mm-hmm. and, and put a lot of these things on auto drive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you know, like you said, who's doing that? Like any other contractor is just going to be picking up the phone. You talk to them and you have no prior uh positioning to that right whereas like with what you're talking about they see the video maybe they like see your face and you're talking in it they're like okay this is cool maybe they can even get like a little booklet or something on what you guys offer and they can see things in more detail so now when you call they're like oh like you know i saw that thing i had a question about that like they have some content that's primed them at least you know and that's like this podcast here like people listening to this they're going to learn from it they're learning about you they're learning about myself right and they're being primed before like potentially reaching out to one of us and having a conversation deeper but like content and being able to prime someone is really important in the sales process and it sounds like that's exactly like what you're teaching people to do um think about how powerful it would be to you know everyone uh, that goes out prior, it's like the seven things you need to know before hiring a masonry contractor. Right. Now you give that to the owner that it's already using as a filter to knock out, you know, the, yeah. the football guys that are already yeah. there ahead of time. So education is just such a great tool uh, at your uh, use to differentiate you uh, from the market. And then if you look like a million bucks, now you just need to put down a very fair proposal for what they're getting yeah. and explain uh, the differences 
and you know you have a winning company on your hands yeah i've heard about contractors too where um before they deliver the estimate they'll say okay i'm going to send over a resource to you that just is like some frequently asked questions that most people have when they talk to us and yeah. in there typically what I, this particular guy said he has one that kind of will like talk a little bit about price where it'll say like now you know we kind of like have these different tiers people who are here can expect this you can expect that so then he said like when they're on the phone they're like oh yeah i read the whole thing blah blah, blah. like yeah like what you were saying right so now the expectations it's called like price anchoring, right? Like they've been anchored at a price and they've been pre-positioned before even talking to them. So that's that's really good. That's awesome. Just as a piggyback, one other hmm. silver bullet that I think I've used uh, over my career and a lot of my coaching clients do as well is we design a good, better, best. So hmm. one, you're going to get some of the low ballers, but you can position your good into pretty close to that where it's just bare bones. And then the better is what you really want to be selling. And then the best is a lot of extra profit on there that, you know, a certain mm -hmm. client will take that, uh, you know, 10, 15% of the time. Mm -hmm. You're not going to lose maybe the low ballers. Sometimes you're going to pick them up on the good and you still have uh, a, a decent project with some margin on there. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a, that's a killer silver bullet for your clients. That's really cool. Just a follow-up question on that. Do you get a sense of where they're at first and then deliver that? Or do you, when you're giving your proposal, say, all right, so this is kind of what we could do. You start at the best, which kind of anchors them at that top price. And then you work your way down. Is that how that works? Yep. They're, they're cool. anchoring right at, at work. Very so, cool. Yeah, this is the best we can do. It could be you know, however you're selling it, extra services, extra warranty. We we play yeah. with warranties a lot. The better is what you want. And then the good is just in case they are, you know, from the budget conscious, but you might not lose out on that. Yeah. If, if you'd offered it. Yeah. So a lot of people, they just say, this is what I do. This is the system yeah. that I put on. And it's, here's the price. But really, you have upside potential, and you're leaving a lot of money on the low ball side mm. of the So I there's like a that. Lot of people that would like to use you, but you're not quite uh, near the low person because you just went in with the better. But there is a good option, lower warranty, you know, lower price that, you know, you don't care. You could still make money if you get that job. And that's good, too, because now it's not a question of like, do you want to do this? It's like, which one do you want to do? Yeah, put it in their hands. Now they they have some decision-making to do. Yeah. One last thing too that I want to drive home uh, that you were talking about with the automation is like, I'm assuming then you can do automation for like confirmation before appointments. Because I know that a lot of contractors too will make the mistake of like driving out to an estimate without confirming with someone showing up and they're not home or whatever type thing, or, oh, like my wife's gone. She had to go out and now you don't have two decision makers there. So like, that's a huge one too. Like, even if you can't automate it, like just sending a simple text too, just to confirm, obviously these automation things are great, but like, I know guys who literally just like, they just go out and don't even do that, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of if, if you're a small person, then you would have that on, in our app, it's a it's like a template. It's called a snippet. So you have that contact. You just open it up, snip it. Hey, it's less. I'm I'm on my way yeah. out. Sure, this still works for you. Boom, fired yeah. it up. 
you don't have to keep redoing it every time yeah yeah but it's right. nice, nice to move to where you're going to have someone in the inside position doing that for you if you're the owner yeah like the sales part someone's running production for you that next person that inside person that's helping you answer the calls schedule that person should be doing that for you yeah you need to structure the business so that you can scale yeah because yeah. it's like you don't want to be doing everything yourself and not have those systems for someone else to take over exactly makes sense um i think that was the third so now we're going at the the fourth pillar here yeah so the fourth <laughs> pillar are we on now <laughs> yeah really we have well we went from yeah branding and marketing to the sales and uh, automation estimating the fourth pillar is just the overall organization. So some people call them SOPs, standard operating procedures. I was blessed that um, early on, I found a company called the E-Myth. And yeah. for all of your, you, 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 you read that and they, he even wrote a book, The E-Myth for Contractors. So that's a great book for your uh, audience. <clears throat> and what he taught me and the consultant that I hired was every frustration that you're having in the business is a lack of a system. Mm -hmm. Now, as you start growing and scaling, when you get that frustration, something broke, then you have to build a system. And sometimes uh, that's tedious. But what uh, we do is we we have a lot of those systems already built. There's There's really only you know, 10 to 20 business uh, systems that a, a true contracting business needs, estimating systems, production systems, hiring systems, firing, mm. you know, uh, the full accounting. There's not that many, but once you dial those in and you have them organized and trained in such a way that when Sally moves on to Indiana because her husband got a new job and you bring in Frank to run your business. Yeah things right there for him to just take off that's what i see one of the biggest weaknesses in our industry is yeah. people don't stay around very long so they're moving you need to document things once and then use that as a way to train your future people and so that's kind of the fourth pillar is how organized are you where do you store things we're big google drive fanatics yeah we put everything into one place yeah that's great like I think um, something that a lot of contractors run into as a problem when they're growing is they'll think, well, I want to grow. So I'm going to add all these different services of like getting different profit, like ways of getting profit. So when we're in the house, you know, if we're doing the floor, then we could do painting, then we could do this, then we could do that. And I was talking to a gentleman the other day where this is kind of what happened. He started off as a flooring contractor and then he started adding all these other services because he's like, I want to make myself recession proof. And then his website, he started marketing the fact that, hey, we do all these different things. And then what he was saying to me, though, he's like, I don't even know if we're making any money right now because they have no systems anymore. Like everything's subbed out. It's all over the place. And so when you have some focus in what your delivery is, you can actually work towards making systems in it. But if you don't, then it's like you don't even know how to create systems around them. Like what you were saying, if someone uh, quits you can't like train someone anymore or any like so it's exactly yeah. what you're talking about yeah i i see it all the time i i've seen so many people that have had great success including me in my career when i was focused minded on one business at a time right one core 
you know, one core product, let's say roofing, and then you might sell gutters or, you know, siding or something like that as just to get the, the roofing job. But anything that gets you distracted into a other area, you're better off dialing in this one trade, yeah. roofing, remodeling, uh, concrete, dial that in, get the systems going, get this economic engine built, like with a savant that's going to get you leads, that's going to convert to jobs. And then you fill in those key positions and then you go to the next one and you take your blueprint here. And now mm. this is going into, you know, epoxy flooring for garages. Yeah. And it's separate LLC, a separate QuickBooks, separate people to manage that. And yeah. I do assets to be recession proof that um, should be able to be assets like you're buying two different pieces of real estate property. Yeah. When you put them all under one, it's no one gets the attention that it yeah. needs lost in translation for sure yeah and something that i tell to like our clients is if you're doing something over and over and over again and it's annoying to you or like oh i have to send out this estimate or this email or whatever and you do that repeatedly over and over again and, you, and you're struggling with it that is an opportunity like what you were talking about to create an sop give it to a virtual assistant who can do it for like ten dollars an hour or an right. office assistant or whatever and it's like dude you shouldn't be sending off that stuff and doing that repeatedly over and over again. And like, this was me too. When I started my business, there were things I was doing over and over again. And then I hired a mentor, like similar, like Emith there. And then they were like, Hey, like you're doing this thing that you could pay so-and-so like a fraction of the cost of what you would charge, you know? So it's. That's part of my coaching and uh, another cool. of our businesses is in our ecosystems. Now uh, it's called the QBVA you know, you're the coach of your business. You need to call some plays, but you need someone that's going to run them and run them good. So we have uh, built a platform to match contractors with a VA that could run sales and mm -hmm. marketing automations and uh, the general office uh, stuff that they need so that the owner could just do what he loves to do and not get burdened with this whole business of all the minutiae that comes with it. Oh, man, I love it. Yeah. Well, man, super cool. Um, I think we're coming up uh, at the end of our uh, uh, of our uh, podcast here. We got the four pillars there. Um, dude, I think we covered some really good stuff here. Is there any kind of, you know, before we go into like where people can reach you and how they can join the contractor huddle, but is there anything that you kind of want to leave people with? Maybe a contractor is listening to this right now and he's thinking like, okay, this is all like really good stuff, like, but maybe they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe they're like, I don't really know where to start. Like, what do I do? Like, what advice would you give to someone who's kind of, you know, they've got some success under their belt, but they're looking to get to the next level and they just don't really know where to start with all this. To me, it's just find a trusted advisor that maybe has been down the path a little bit ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And it could really only be a year ahead of you or it mm -hmm. could be 30 years ahead of you. But that that person could look at your financials mm -hmm. and ask the right questions and know where you're trying to take your business and then could give you some solid two or three steps on next steps. It might, it might not be branding and marketing. It might be a higher savant for lead gen, or it might be, no, you need a VA right now to take all of this permits and productions, yeah. this stuff out of your hands. But the first thing is find someone with some uh, number savvy that you can hire mm. to say, look at my business and then give me some advice on, on where to go because this is where I'm taking it. Love it, man. 
Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the links to the contractor huddle and build 12 in the description for this podcast. And then you guys can go and access it from there. But um, Les, really appreciate it, man. Um, where's the best place for someone to follow you if they just want to like follow you online and get in touch with you? Is it just through your your group there or? Well, we have a, a, a great Facebook group like you mm-hmm. do on Facebook. It's the contractor huddle. Join yeah. that really good group. A lot of good activity. Yeah. Connect with me personally. Best is LinkedIn. Okay. I'm really coaching a lot of my clients. Get your butts on LinkedIn. It's important nowadays. Business is being conducted on LinkedIn. It's where it's going to be in the next 10 years. So connect with me over there. Let's uh, let's uh, see where it goes. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Last, thanks for uh, being on the show today. And uh, guys, we'll see you on the next episode.